Thanks, Tom. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. I hope um, hope you're uh, you're doing well uh, today, and hope that um, you had a good night's rest and had an opportunity to spend um, some quality time with your your family. Uh, also, hope you're making a little progress on your identity statements, and um, looking forward to those who will uh, be able to share uh, share that tonight. Did get a chance to talk to my wife, and my wife says um, says hello, and um, and that again, she regrets that she's not able to be here uh, with, uh, with me. Uh, my, my son, um, today is Wednesday, on Monday, um, he got an opportunity to speak, and uh, so he sent me the audio clip, and, um, and it's like, like, I am so proud as a father um, just to, um, to hear how God is shaping uh, his life. I did tell him, Larry about your son and uh, Polar I did tell him about you as well and uh, hopefully there will be some intentionality in connecting uh, once uh, once he gets there he, he he figures that he doesn't really have to do anything he can just show up and everything will be okay he didn't send his picture yet for his key fob his key phobe and so me and my wife we've just really been hounding him uh, again maybe I'm the only one that has a, a kid like that maybe uh, um, and so, so we're, we're really, really excited about, um, about where, where God is gonna, gonna, um, God is gonna take him. And, uh, and really, really, if we were to, um, to, to work the room and, um, we all have a story like, like Gideon and, um, his story is like Gideon's, your story is, is like, is like Gideon and, um, where we're trusting trusting God more and more. So let me, let me, uh, let's start off with this. We're going to go a little bit further and, um, and we're going to give you a couple of more words today that actually helps us to move from, from fear to faith. But to kind of get us moving, get us moving, um, just in your little spot there next to you or in front of you, behind you, answer, um, answer this, this question, at least talk about this question. Uh, talk about a time where where you absolutely had to depend on another person, where you absolutely had to depend on another person. All right, ready, set, go. Talk about it where you are. All right, all right. One of the things that I, a couple of things that I love, um, I love as a, as a communicator, as a speaker, as a pastor and a preacher, is um, when um, pages of the Bible are turning, which again, I'm using my iPad. That's kind of ironic. So, uh, and then when people, when people in the, when people in church and in community talk, there's something very powerful about sharing your life with another person that strengthens, that encourages, and um, and I think sometimes we don't get enough of that. I think sometimes we live in a um, a culture, even in church, where you just kind of look straight ahead, and you don't have permission to talk. Uh, to, to the people around you. And again, we want to be incognito, and, and yet um, I believe there's something very powerful about community. So let's, let's talk just a tad bit. Um, just just if, for, for those of you who want to share a time where you absolutely had to depend on another person. Yes. Riding on an airplane. Yeah, that's, you are totally, totally dependent 
on the pilot not being inebriated and drunk and, uh, and everyone making sure that, not was it in terms of, was it a first time or just, just in general, just whenever? Okay, very good. Okay, yeah, you are totally dependent on those individuals to uh, make the right diagnosis and that sort of, it's interesting, Let me, I'll, this is a side note. So my son works at this, um, he works at this camp called Youth Haven and it's a camp for underprivileged kids. And um, three, four weeks ago, he, um, you know, he has 10-year-olds that he's working with. And uh, these kids come with all kinds of problems. Uh, my middle son uh, is working there. Has all, they have all kinds of uh, EI problems and uh, the whole nine. And so this one kid tells another kid um, in a fit of rage and anger, I am going to, I'm going to take this fork and I'm going to stab you in the eye, literally. And he picked up the fork and he got ready to stab this kid in the eye. Literally, he made the motion and my son, quick reflexes, put his hand in front of the kid's face and the fork went through his hand. Literally went through his hand. He had to go to the ER with the fork still in his hand. I have the pictures. I'll show you the pictures tonight. After, after, no, maybe not after dinner. All right. So literally the fork still in his hand and the fork was uh, probably uh, a half, over a half of inch in his finger. And so he called very calmly and said, we're on our way to the ER. And uh, of course he didn't call me. He called my wife. She's the nurturer. I would say, hey, suck it up, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so we, we, um, we get there, and, and the fork is still in his hand. So he couldn't get through, he couldn't get through the metal detector. <laughs> it's funny now. The metal detector kept going off, and so he had to tell the guy, the officer, look, and the officer almost threw up because... <laughs> It was, it was, it was the, the height of irony that these medical people in the emergency room about to throw up because they see a fork, it, you know, in, in my kid's hand. And so anyway, we did get it out and, um, and, and he was fine. He came back to camp. He was a hero uh, because all the kids thought he was going to die, number one, because they can't process that if, because they were saying that he, Micah got stabbed. And the only thing they can think is that Micah got stabbed and he's going to die. And so he came back and um, the kids, he was like Rocky and uh, a hero. And he was able to flip it and he said, you know, I only took a fork to the hand. Jesus took nails in his hand. And, um, and so I was just very, very proud. So when you mentioned the ER, that's the, this, he was totally, we were totally dependent at that moment on the people in the ER who did not do a very good job with our son, ultimately, but, uh, but we made it through, so. Uh, someone else, someone else, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are moments, there are moments when we're totally dependent. And, and, and I think sometimes God places us in those place, in those moments so that we might be dependent on him. So that we might be dependent on him. 
And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. We're going to take a look at today. So we're moving through, uh, we're moving through the text. We're moving through where we're getting closer to the battle. And so let's kind of go back to where we began. We began in um, the wine press. We began in a place where Gideon is afraid in the wine press. He's not supposed to be there. He's hiding out. Um, he's hiding out because the Midianites and the, and the Amalekites are oppressing the people of God. And God taps Gideon on the shoulder saying that I am going to use you to bring my people back to me. And I believe God, as someone here, you're, if you're still in the wine press, God is still tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want to use you to bring many people either back to myself or to myself. So we started off in the wine press and the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and, and pronounces, you are a man of valor. The Lord is with you. You are a man of valor. So identity says that I am accepting what God says about me. Some days we don't feel it. Some days we don't believe it. But we, we receive it by faith. We step in it in courage. We own it uh, in courage. And so what has God said about you? And we're going to hear a little bit more of that tonight from, from you. What has God said about you? So I am accepting what God says about me. Sometimes we don't really, we, 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 we may know who God says we are, but we need something more. We need to know that God is present with us. And this is what he tells Gideon, that I will be with you. And someone needed to hear that this week, that God is going to be with you in whatever he has called you to. Someone needed to hear that. So he says, I am believing that God will be where he says he will be, and that is with me. I will not go alone. I will go with his presence. His presence will go with me. So, so God gives Gideon a first test. And the first test is to, before you fight the Midianites, I want you first to fight Baal in your own home. And so obedience says, I am obeying. That is a present tense. I am obeying what God is telling me to do. So somebody is, you're, you're 24 hours or 48 hours away from, for 24 hours away from either doing, saying yes to God, and you know what that is, and you may have already made that decision. Um, and so obedience saying, it says that I am obeying what God is telling me to do. And then the moment Gideon obeys, he has, not only does he have an unlikely ally in his father saying that you're not going to kill my son, let Baal fight for himself, his dad shows up for him, not out of, out of commitment or obligation. I think his dad shows up for him because his heart is turning back to Yahweh. So Gideon's obedience actually impacts his father to, for his father to be obedient. And the moment Gideon obeys, we see that the Spirit now empowers him, empowers Gideon to do something that Gideon would not have thought 
he would be able to do. So the Holy Spirit clothes, put Gideon, puts Gideon on, so he gets ready to go out in battle. Uh, the Holy Spirit is actually the one who's going to do the fighting, but he uses Gideon as, um, as an instrument. And one of the first things that Gideon does, once he is clothed in power, he sounds a war trumpet. Now we've gone from the wine press to a man calling people to battle. And now, not only is he calling people to battle, some of the first people that show up is the Abiezrites, the ones who actually wanted to kill him. And so God, not only does he call his own clan, he calls Manasseh and Zebulon and Naphtali and Asher and people that he didn't even know and making 32,000 people coming to saying, we'll fight for you, Gideon. That wasn't Gideon, that was the Spirit of God. All right? So, so that's where we find ourselves. That's where we are right now. So now if you have a copy of the Scriptures, turn with me to Judges chapter, Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8, and then we'll take a look at uh, verses 9 through 14, 9 through 15. And this is Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Then Jerubbabal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And Herod actually means trembling, which is kind of ironic. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And in verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you, this is so amazing, the people with you are too many to give, uh, for, uh, for me to give the Midianites into your hand. <laughs> like, God, have you seen? It's 135,000 of them. It's only 32,000 of us. And you are saying that 32,000 is too many. Like, like I, I know if Gideon was, was like anything like us, it's like God smoking something. <laughs> this is kind of this, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Here's why they are too many. Lest Israel boast over me. Now what, what God is saying, lest, lest Israel boast over me. In other words, the, the writing the Hebrew actually says, when God says, I am the victor, victor, then Israel's voice would be louder than God's voice saying, no, it was us. And so says, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. Hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then, <laughs> like, like. I don't know if I would show my face back in the community. Then 22,000 of the people returned. So what they were saying is, we're scared. If you're in the, in the hood, we're skirt. <laughs> 22,000 admit that they are afraid. 22,000 say, we can't handle this. This is above our pay grade. We didn't sign up for this. Only leaving 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them. 
um, test them for you there. And any one of whom, uh, anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, uh, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a, as a dog laps, you shall set, uh, set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lap putting their hands to their mouths was three was 300 men but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water and the Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men who lapped I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go go every man to his home so the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of the Israel uh, rest of Israel every man to his tent but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So God sifts, and he strips. And there were two siftings and strippings here. The first one was anyone who is fearful can't go. Why? Because fear is contagious. It is contagious. I remember, um, so I'm, I'm not a swimmer. I don't swim very well. And when we were living in Grand Rapids, we, were, we had a membership at the Y. And so I got in the pool with my two sons. My daughter wasn't born yet. My two sons, Marvin and Micah. And I started like, like when I get in the pool, I, I start breathing kind of heavy hyperventilating, if you will, and I was grabbing onto the edge of the pool, like for dear life. I don't even know why I got in the pool, but I, I'm saying I'm getting in the pool, and I'm holding on for dear life. And something clicked in me when I saw my kids doing the same thing. They were holding on with fear on their faces because they were mirroring their dad. And that day, I decided if I die, I am going to learn, I'm gonna to try to learn how to swim. And so I got goggles. I could hold my breath. I got goggles. That, that was the problem. I couldn't hold my breath and, and keep my eyes open at the same time. So I got goggles and I put them on and I, I was able to hold my breath for a little while and it was a whole new world opened up to me. And I began learning how to swim. And the moment I took my hands off the side and actually tried to beat my fear that day, I saw my sons trying to have fun in the water as well. Fear is contagious. And if we don't fight it, Satan would love to keep us afraid. And so God sifts. He sifts. And the first sifting was get rid of the men who are afraid because I cannot use them. Because their fear and anxiety will spread to the others. And so really, really technically... 
technically, this was, um, this was actually a biblical thing. And this is what, um, what Moses says in, um, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to him house, lest his heart, lest, lest, the heart, lest the heart of his brothers faint like his heart. And so, so sometimes God has to sift us and sift us beginning with fear. So are there people in your life who are afraid? You know where that fear came from? My fear of swimming? It came from my mother. My mother never learned how to swim because she almost drowned. And because she almost drowned, she, she caused us to grow up not learning how to swim, being afraid of water. And I would, I would go to the park and I would see all of these people learning how to swim and, and, or swimming, and I'm saying, I wish I could do that. But my mother was the one, like, boy, stay away from that water. Like, I, I, I'm, we barely were able to take baths, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's exaggerated a little bit, but, but that's really what, what the kind of fear she instilled in us. That on my son's first birthday party, I wish I had the, the, the video, on my son's first birthday party, we had a pool party for him, like a little pool you buy from Meyer or Kroger, and, and he's in the pool, and it's like an inch of water, and my mother is holding his hands up, keeping him out of the water. And I'm saying, like, like, like this, this is, this is where we where we live. And I wonder if there are people in your life, part of this fear thing, that we are afraid because there are people in your life, their fear is a contagion and you caught the virus. And now you won't take a step forward because of that. I would dare say those are people that, unless they change, those are people you need to, you need to distance yourself from because they'll keep you from doing what God wants you to do. So that was the first sifting. First sifting where God says, get rid of the people who are afraid. And um, God wants the, he wants Gideon to, to understand that it's my power, not yours, that wins the battle. There's a second sifting. And the second sifting is, 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 is really kind of an ordinary experience. And there are scholars who say that, that, um, that they're, they're the two groups, the ones that bent down and lapped like a dog, they weren't able to see the battle and keep their eyes forward. And that, that might be the case. But the ones who actually uh, lapped the water or brought the water up, cupped it, and drank like this, uh, they were able to see and look around. I, I mean, I, that, that could be a very, um, that, that's a very, um, plausible reason why God says for a, for a group to go away and another group to stay. I, I don't know if that's the case. Makes sense. But I think, I think it's just an ordinary test, an ordinary test that God gives, uh, gives these men. And I believe that sometimes just God gives us, he gives us these tests that sometimes don't make sense to sift and to get rid of and to say, I, 
I just want to strip you down to a place where you are totally dependent on me. And God takes a number, takes a number, 32,000, and he strips it down to 300. He strips it down to 300. And um, I love what Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says. Uh, this is what uh, it says, um, that, that, that God could chase a thousand and two would put 10,000 to flight. So really, technically, all Gideon needed was 27 people. 27 people and God would do the work. 300 now. So the question that I have for me and the question that I have for you, where is God sifting? Where is God stripping away so that we are fully dependent on him? Now, this is where we live, our family, right now. My wife, when we moved to Lansing, well, my wife has been an educator for 20 years. She has a degree in um, adult education with an emphasis in math. Taught all of her life. My wife is smart. I, mar I went married way over my head. Married way over my head. She's, she's smart. She has a degree in adult education with an emphasis in math and science. She has a second, she has a master's degree. And then she has a third degree in computer um, science. So when we moved to Lansing, she could not find a job. She's had seven jobs in seven years seven jobs in seven years and not in her field. You know where she works now? She works at Chick-fil-A. So it's not a bad company. I get free food sometimes. That's <laughs> where she works. And this is where God has us at a place where we say, God, we're going to trust you. We got two kids in college. And we have a daughter who has all kinds of other stuff that, that, that daughters have, 16-year-old daughters have. I mean, she's going to be going to college in a couple of years. And God says, I will strip you, I will sift you, I will bring your men down to 300 to see if you will trust me. And the first two weeks of her working at Chick-fil-A, it was the hardest two weeks of her life. Well, probably the hardest two weeks of our life. You know why? 
because there were people from our church, people from her old jobs coming in to the store for her to say, how can I help you? And it is my pleasure. And she would come home and she would cry. Because of the shame, at least in her mind, the shame associated with having three degrees and not being able to find a job in her field or having to be pushed out of a job because of her age. So we've, we've come to the place where we, we read this text and we say that, that is this a God stripping so that we as the Williams family can be fully dependent and trusting in the God who has called us to serve where we're serving. And I believe, here, here's the, here's the, um, here, here is the, 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 the word and the phrase. Dependence. And dependence says this. Dependence says this, I am acknowledging that success is determined by God's power, not mine. Let me say that again. I am acknowledging that success is determined by God's power and not mine. And I believe that God wanted to teach Gideon a lesson. He wants to teach me a lesson. And he wants to teach you a lesson. That it's not your degree. It's not your money. It's not your ability. It's not your ability to network and to do all of the things. It's not the amount of money you make. It's not the, the, the education. It's not, it's not any of that. I think God wants his people to be in a place where when we start talking, we are not talking over God. God is talking over us. We're submitting to his voice and we're submitting saying it was God and not us. It was God who got me the degree. It was God who got the job. It was God who got the house. It was God who opened the doors. It wasn't me. I just simply was submitting to this sovereign God and he was the one that worked the deal. He was the one that opened the door. He was the one that gave me the knowledge to be able to do whatever I've done. I think in the West, we have pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps way too many times. We won't ever admit it. We'll, we'll couch it and we'll say, yeah, it was God. But deep down inside, we're saying, yeah, it was really me. And, and it takes God putting us in a place of us saying, of losing a job, or having a premature daughter where you have no, you, 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 you are totally dependent. Or in the emergency room, you're totally dependent. Riding on a plane, totally dependent. I think sometimes God wants to remind us that 
we are not him. And we need him. We need him. So, so dependence. I am acknowledging that success is, is determined by God's power and not mine. So let me, let me ask if you are willing to share. Where, whether it was in the past or whether it is present, where might God be stripping and sifting you and your family? Where might God be sifting and stripping your family? Anybody who, who say, man, I'm, I think I'm willing to share that because your word might be an encouragement to someone else. And, and what has God been teaching you in those, in those moments? Anybody who may, who you, you say, I think I'll, I'll be courageous um, this morning and share that. Where am I? Yes. Okay, very good. So that's in the job, in the job area. Anybody else that you, where God might have or might be sifting and stripping you so that there is a greater dependence on him. Yes. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, that, that's a very, um, I, I, I so resonate with that. Um, about two years ago, um, I, close to two years, it'd be two years in November, um, I had, um, um, found out that I had ir an irregular heartbeat. And as having an irregular heartbeat, I, um, and again, I, I couldn't work out like I wanted to. And not only that, it was just like at night, my, I could, you don't supposed, you don't, you're not supposed to hear and feel your heartbeat at night when you go to sleep. Your heart just is supposed to beat, right? And, and I, I could hear and feel my heartbeat. Um, and, and Ironically, I, I could not go to sleep because I was afraid that I was going to that I was going to to, to die in my sleep. And so, um, so about a couple of years ago, the, you know, I had um, I had a procedure done, a cardiac ablation, um, where they burn a part of the blood vessel that's firing off, and um, and you know, you could do cardioversion, but that that's not guaranteed. Even the ablation is not necessarily guaranteed, but it's has a higher rate of, a higher rate of success um, of, of sticking and, and holding to. And so, um, so I, I went under for about four to five hours where they did, where they did this totally dependent on the doctors and haven't had any episodes since then. But I recognize at that moment that I am totally in the hands of not only the, the doctors for intelligence, but in the hands of God that I could leave here today. And so, so I wear a little pendant, um, and it's a Latin phrase. It, it's kind of morbid, it has a skull on it. Uh, but there's a Latin phrase on it called, it's, it's momento mori. Momento mori, momento mori simply means I could leave here today. I could die today. And so it's kind of, it, it sounds kind of morbid, but it actually is designed to create urgency 
in the life of someone to say, you know what? I could leave here today, and because I can leave here today, I am going to give my all in this moment. I am going to love my family in this moment. I am going to love my wife as hard as I can. I am going to love my kids as hard as I can. I am not going to leave anything behind. I am going to put everything out there. I'm going to show up in the arena, and I'm going to let it all out. So that's the reason I'm kind of passionate, and sometimes it kind of comes out and like it sounds like a black man, angry black man yelling, but that's not it. That's not what I'm doing. It's just that I am I'm passionate. I want people to get it. I want people to know that Jesus is real. That we could leave here today and you shouldn't leave anything on the table. You ought to give it all. And so, yeah, there's this stripping. It was a stripping of my own ego and pride that I, I may not have a whole lot of time left. And I want, to, I want to make sure that whatever the conversations I need to have, I need to have them. So, so God strips us, brings us down so we're totally dependent on him. Anybody else where there's a possible stripping or sifting and God is creating a greater dependence? Yes. And then I'll come here. If you can stand so you can project a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is, again, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, that God... God is at work, and, and whether, whether she ends up at your home, in your home, um, just, the, just bringing this dependence thing to the forefront that, that God is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me in this moment? And I think that is, um, again, I think that's a brave thing uh, to even consider um, where, where God has you. But, but your story is so encouraging, so encouraging for individuals here and uh, so thank you I saw hands uh, hand here and then here and do you get a sense do you do you get a sense that that God is moving you at this point you have indicators and markers that God is moving yet yeah, then 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 and obviously step out in faith and trust him because God has something for you there and uh, how he will use your lives to bless so many people uh, there some days it can be hard difficult and yet, um, when you know that he has called you, then you can, actually, um, you can actually take steps of faith forward. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing that right here and then. I, I love the way you said faith grows. I, I think with every step, moving from fear to identity to it, faith grows each, at each step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 just, I, I just believe that... Um, that just as God um, sifted and stripped Gideon not to hurt him, not to cause doubt, but to actually grow his faith. To say, this God who called me out of the wine press, that, that I can actually trust him, that I can depend on him. And I want you to know that you can trust him you can depend on him even when he strips, even when he sifts. He shows up and he gives encouragement and he lights our path as we move forward. Can I pray for us? And um, yeah, God, we sit in this moment recognizing that you're good recognizing that you're awesome. 
Some days we don't, we don't know how to feel and how to trust. But like the man in the, um, that came up to Jesus in the Gospels, I believe but help my unbelief. And I pray that um, whatever stripping and sifting needs to happen so that we might be more dependent and trusting of you so we can declare that it's you um, who wins the victory and not us. Um, we just simply ask that we would, you would teach us how to submit to your word, submit to your will, submit to your purposes in our lives. God, I thank you so much for every family in this in the tabernacle now I thank you for their stories I thank you for their own journey I thank you for the times where they even turned back to fear but they said I can't live there any longer and they started their journey all over again God I thank you for those who are even doubting now and and yet they there's something stirring inside of them to trust even more I thank you for families who are struggling with um with wayward teenagers who who are who are just saying god i'm throwing up my hands i don't know what to do i'm 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 thankful for families god i ask your blessing over families who are dealing with uh children who have physical problems and emotional problems god i just ask that you would empower them by your spirit I pray for those who are having issues on the job and those who are struggling with coworkers and employers and bosses and, and where they need to be fully dependent on you right now. God, I just ask that an extra measure of your grace would overflow in their lives. Those who are struggling financially now, God, whether it is, it, it is issues that, that they didn't have any hand in or whether it's issues that they did have. God, I just ask that you would begin to show them where they need to trust you more, where we need to trust you more. So I give these families into your hand, and I ask that you would do amazing things, amazing work in their lives as we all continue to move from one place of fear from the wine press to the battlefield just ask that you will continue to empower us where we might be dependent on you thank you for this place thank you for this moment you have us here now not by happenstance not by mistake and so we thank you and praise you in Jesus name amen God bless you. And um, have a, again, I don't, um, I don't know what we do next. Do what, what do we do next? <laughs> I think, um, is that it? Q&A. Oh, okay. I, all right. All right. Q&A. I, I was hoping to get out of that. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's open it up for uh, Q&A if you have any questions regarding anything that we've talked about, but even just in, in general that uh, where you might be in your own, uh, your own walk with Christ.